One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Before we get to this week's episode, let me just apologize in advance for this having taken quite a while. Kel, Fabi, and I recorded the PWR and MWF reviews Thursday night, and the connection for our phone call wasn't exactly the best. So there were a lot of interruptions, which means that I had to edit a lot of it. And with the ASEAN holidays having taken place, um, all the work's basically dumped on everybody for Thursday and Friday, myself included, which is why I only really got to put the episode together Saturday. So if you're listening to this, uh, I apologize again. And this is going to be an extra long episode of the podcast because, again... It is going to be a review of both PWR Vendetta and MWF Balikbayan. Now, without further ado, this week's episode of the SGP Podcast featuring Kel Fabi. Hello, WWE Universe in the Philippines. This is Charlotte, and you're with Stan, Roe, and Raph on the SGP Podcast. Woo! Are you ready? Marks and Smarks. This is the Smarky Las Filipinas Podcast. You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the SGP Podcast. It's just me, Stan C., for this week because, well, for starters, Raf Gamas is in Taiwan. He's enjoying some quality time with the family because of the ASEAN holidays. And as for Ro Moran, well, this week's episode is actually a review of both PWR and MWF. So, because of journalistic integrity, he decided to sit out of this week's episode. That and he actually had some work to get to for this week, so that's why he's not really going to be part of this week's proceedings. But in in Roasted, we actually got now we 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 contracted our guest now from two weeks ago. We made sure that he was going to make time for this week, just so we can uh, get to both of the shows that took place in the month of November. So please welcome back to the uh, to the podcast our reviewer for both PWR Vendetta and MWF Balikbayan, Kel Fabi. How's it going, Kel? Hey, good evening, good evening, uh, everyone. Yeah, we're recording this I'm on a well. Thursday night, so yeah, uh, yes. yeah, good evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Force of habit. <laughs> yeah, parang parang eh, no? No, 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 no. Uh, we we are recording this on a Thursday night, but if you're listening to this on a Friday or a Saturday, Sunday, it doesn't really matter, right? Exactly. So, how have you been, Kel? How's uh, how are things going, and how's it been since Des- uh, Despedida? Well, Despedida was a blast. I mean, the that was the hosting debut of uh, the Kakai Bros, and they acquitted themselves pretty well. I was proud of the boys, you know, when I when they performed. And then uh, this coming weekend, I will be doing. I will actually still be doing a show for with the rest of uh, Mindplay, uh, a group of mentalists in uh, for Blagapalooza. So um, it's not a solo show, which is what Despedida was. That was my last uh, solo show. But this one is uh, it should be fun. It would be with the, uh, my mentalist friends. So you know, lots of stuff has been has been going on, uh, and and I'm still scheduled to leave uh, the country sometime 
maybe before Christmas. Oh, all right. Well, until then, susulitin natin yung presents mo, diba? That's why we brought Absolutely. you on to do uh, PWR and MWF. First off, thanks for attending both shows. It, it really is hard to get someone to attend both shows and make time to review it. So the fact that you're able to do all three things is uh, something that I, for one, really appreciate. So, uh, you know, um, just to take it back really quickly to Despedida, I heard that TDT and ECX did crash the party. Yes, they did. Uh, you know, the... the the bros did pretty well with their hosting, but they kind of, you know, the success got to their heads. <laughs> they were trying to double their talent fee on the spot. Oh, they were pulling, so, you know. know. Oh, I'm not going to say yeah, his name, but they were pulling they, uh, yeah, that guy. Yeah they, yeah, they were pulling that guy's uh, uh, trick from that guy's playbook. And, you know, they're two guys. They're both wrestlers. I, I don't think I can put up a fight. So I was kind of backing away slowly. And the next thing I knew, TDT and Evan Carlo came to my rescue. All right, so uh, th- I- I'm sure the uh, the fans in attendance had a had an extra treat that they weren't expecting to get that night. They they were they were pretty happy, but then I had to you know cut the cut the you know proceedings and tell them that you know if these guys wanted to fight, uh, they had to do it in vendetta, which is exactly what happened. Right, right, and it's uh, it's great that you mentioned Vendetta. We can segue properly to that. So PWR Vendetta, it's PWR's last show of the year. Uh, before we we start this review, I, I have to ask you a question, Kel. Hmm. Uh, Kel, can, can you tell me a little bit about your journalistic integrity? Do you have a JI score? <laughs> well, I have quite a background in journalism because uh, when I was in high school, I was uh, the first high school student to do a cover story for Wisconsin Forum. Whoa there. Whoa, whoa, so, whoa. Yeah. So, um, and then they, there was a newspaper for Mandaluyong called uh, Oplan Lingap Bulletin, which was, uh, you know, they were it was their anti-drug uh, uh, youth magazine, youth newspaper at the time. I was uh, I was president of the group, Young Journalists Association of Mandaluyong. Was your column and, entitled Durugin ng Droga? No, no, no. We weren't that <laughs> over the top about it. But come to think of it, Dinky Doo was one of our resource persons. Well, all right. <laughs> yes, the director of that movie. And just to set things clear between you and the audience, mm-hmm. are you in any way affiliated with PWR and MWF? No, I, I have no official affiliation with them. I'm friends with a lot of guys. We, we have helped. In an unofficial capacity with both promotions, but I certainly have no, you know, horse in any race here. All right, okay. I'm I'm just glad we got that out of the way. Alam na mahirap Just had. Yeah, to... I know. I, it, it's funny because you know um, this this whole this whole topic suddenly just sprang out from nowhere, and I have no it's, idea it's... what you're talking about, man. No idea. At all. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just you trying know, to. I'm just uh, trying to really play up the whole. The yeah, I am cleaning the air. Because, you know, this this journalistic integrity business is really important. So now that yeah, we've gotten it, it, that out of the way. Sorry. It's like uh, video game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to make sure you set the table first. So now that we have set the table, let's talk about Vendetta. So okay. it's the last PWR show of the year. Uh, I, um, there were eight matches on the card, right? Eight, nine matches on yeah. the card if you include the pre-show. So yes. um, I'm going to have to rely on you to go through each uh, each match one by one, because for pretty much the entirety of the show prior to the main event, I was in the back. So I'm going to have to rely yeah, on no you problem. and your, your reviewing skills. So let's get to the pre-show for the first match. First of all, this was the best pre-show I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because uh, match number one was Trabajador Tres versus Brad Cruz, which, of course, Brad Cruz predictably won. Okay. So you, you have Trabajador Tres, he 
from what I heard, this is his first match. No, Trabajador, well, well, Trabajador Tres has been active um, in, in previous shows. So um, okay. I, I guess for other people, for other fans, it's not the first yeah, time he's, some been, people, it was, per, yeah. you know, he's been in the ring. Okay. So just to lay, lay, the, lay it out, um, this show, I watched it with both my girlfriend and my dad. My dad is, was watching PWR for the first time ever. All right, so, so what did he think? Like, did he have any comments heading into the show before it even began? Like, in terms of logistics, in terms of the vibe, the, the video packages? You know how dads are when they want to, you know, show you that they know thing, a thing or two about wrestling, which means that they'll keep on saying about, you know, oh, kahit na scripted yan, ganito ganyan. They keep saying, keep, he kept saying that the whole time. But he was definitely wowed by the production values. And he loved the free pizza. Camus was just, you know, mugging it up the whole time with uh-huh. the free pizza uh-huh. from Yellow Cab. Uh, but he he definitely enjoyed himself. I, I think that um, it was a great first impression for him, for Philippine wrestling. Because the last time he saw a Pinoy wrestling show, we're talking RJTV, you know, the classic 1980s, 1990s uh, Pinoy wrestling. So the first time he sees another Pinoy wrestling show, a Philippine wrestling show, a Filipino show, he was wowed because you know you're talking about very athletic people, very good, uh, a very good showcase of matches. So he really liked what he saw. He was he was laughing, he was clapping, he was even starting some chants at random. So did you have any expectations heading into Vendetta, given how everything had built up to that point and how uh, all of the stories had played out leading into Vendetta? No, no, he had zero expectations because he didn't really know what was going on. I had to fill him in every now and then when he's wondering why certain people are doing certain things. No, I mean about you. How about you as uh, someone who's been following PWR more closely Ah, than your dad? Yeah. Well, I had big expectations of Vendetta. Uh, First of all, it would be the combination of a two- to three-month build-up with Vaya Ubusan ng Lahi, which I was really looking forward to uh, as a match. So... And it was going to be the last show of PWR. So, of course, I knew, you know, PWR was going to pull out all the stops for this one. All right. So, uh, heading into the pre-show, the first match was Brad Cruz about getting a victory over Tres. What do you think about the match really quickly? Like, um, and and of course, this this match is connected to the following match. So, maybe we can uh, get your thoughts on the whole story arc that developed through the pre-show. Am I the only one who thinks Brad Cruz is criminally underrated as a for you know in ring because he's really really good in ring? Okay, how how do you say that? Like uh, from um, a new basis? Because no, people people love his character. Yeah. People love how you know he connects because he's a guy who thinks he's good looking, but he's not. But he's also you know he's also very self-effacing about it. <laughs> but at the same time, what some people might not know this is he's pretty solid in the ring. I mean, his first match in against uh, uh, John Sebastian, I already saw that. And I was like, wow, you know, because I would start, it was the time when you were debuting a few other wrestlers. Like, it seems that every, nowadays, the wrestlers you guys were debuting were already pretty polished in ring. Okay. So he was, he caught my eye because it's like uh, people love his character, but they really don't say much about his actual in ring. Uh, prowess, which is pretty good. It's pretty good, and uh, yeah. his move set suits him. His move set uh, is perfect for his character. On, to- on top of all of that, okay. So after Brad Cruz de- uh, defeated Trabajador Tres, that's when Cuatro came out and he faced yep. Capitan PWR. 
and that was amazing because that uh, that pretty much uh, meant that he stepped into the light for the first time ever because he beat Capitan PWR, which was unheard of for the Council of Trabajadores. Okay, so I want you to break down your thoughts on this whole Council of Trabajadores story because in the past the pre-show didn't really have much stories, about right? Like uh, they were exhibition yep. matches, they didn't really have an effect on the larger PWR fabric. And then now you have the Council of Trabajadores, which has established itself as a huge presence, casting a huge shadow, uh, pun intended, on the pre-show. So what do you think about this, this big uh, mythology that's developed in that time? I, I think it's, it's, very, uh, it's very fun. But at the same time, it's also kind of self-defeating because obviously these are guys who are destined to lose. And now that they, you know, they've cast out Trabajador quattro from their ranks it's like that's like giving clothes to your house elf you know essentially you're you're giving the house elf doesn't realize that he's now free and that that that's a good thing so quattro is because they've been you know so quattro i think it's gonna take some adjustment for him but it's a good thing now he doesn't have to worry about being forced to lose now he doesn't have to worry about that and i mean really now What's the the council gonna do to him? Because they're destined to lose. Are they gonna try to challenge him to matches? They're gonna lose. So it's not really gonna, you know. I mean, star K F A boys. It, it doesn't really make much sense. Uh, it doesn't really make much sense how uh, you know the Trabajadores are gonna get one over Trabajador Cuatro unless they force him to get disqualified every time or something like that. Right, but in every match there is a winner or a loser. So uh, yes. Is, does the paradox strike you as something compelling or is it something that's confusing or, you know, um, w- w- what does the paradox mean to you in terms of the story? It, it's, it's meta as heck. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what makes it really fun because you, you have people who, who make it their calling to lose and one of them breaks that code. And that, that, uh, that moment that it happens is supposedly a prophecy that ended up being fulfilled. So, you know, the lore behind that, it's... Uh, I, I feel that a lot more effort was put into this than, than a few other storylines elsewhere in the show. Okay. We'll, we'll probably get to that as we go along. So you can uh, probably juxtapose yung effort that was put into the Trabajador story as opposed to the effort in the, uh, in the other stories that, you know... And uh, I say that as a good thing, mind you. I say that as a good thing. Because... Um, as far as I can see, Capitan PWR, I mean, the, the whole dynamic now has changed because now you have Capitan PWR, and then after the beatdown, uh, Revo Ranger and Trabajador Cuatro as a, as a trio against the council. And I think that leads to a lot of interesting stories for next year. Even if it's all pre-show, it's still very interesting because now you have all the more reason to show up on time for the shows. There's one more thing that I'm I'm surprised you haven't mentioned, and that's the fact that all of the characters involved are masked characters. Yes, yes, it, it's it's actually pretty interesting that they're all wearing masks, uh, and I guess it's a nice way of keeping them all in nice one tidy box, you know. Cause, no, cause then again, me, you have Sandata and the Apocalypse who are also masked uh, characters, but aren't in yeah, this, but they're more defined story. characters. Uh-huh. They're more defined characters already. I mean, even Apocalypse is more defined than Revo Ranger or Capitan PWR. 
So right now you have a nice sandbox for the mask wrestlers to, you know, to develop themselves further. Okay. And it's a great it's a great way to a platform for them moving forward. All right, all right. Now let's get to the main show. Uh, the first uh, the first match on the main show was the tag team championship three way. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. All right, I remember that correctly. That's good. So it was uh, the network defending their championships against Trian de la Torre and Evan Carlo and the Kakai Bros. So what are your thoughts yes. on how everything went down? Well, first of all, I'm glad that the Kakai base uh, took uh, Camus and uh, grabbed Camus and uh, cap, uh, you know um, Officer Tutan out of the equation. Uh-huh. Because I wanted the uh, I wanted a match that was, you know, had less shenanigans than the last time they had. Right. Because the last match was, you know, the previous encounter was comedy all the way. And that wasn't, I have no complaints about that. But I didn't want another one of those. So this time, the the fact that the, you know, the interference was restricted was uh, was a good call. Although it makes you wonder, because, you know, you look at the match and it was a really... Much better match than uh, the previous tag team encounter between the network and TDT Evan Carlo. The the triple threat made for a great match. So uh, it just makes you wonder because when you look at it, the only guys who were not acting like heels in that particular feud were the Kakai Bros. <laughs> why? Why do you say that? How, how, how are they not acting Seriously, like in heels? That entire in that entire in this entire storyline, how the are they not acting like heels? Uh, they they Acting like heels. Okay. We're the Kakai Bros. So you didn't watch the aftershock where they just snuck up behind me and got me to sign the championship uh, contract. You know that's that's I no I don't find that heelish. I find that clever and you know and hilarious because they pulled the same trick on me independently when they hosted my show. So what is it? And about... I didn't even oh, yeah, see that aftershock when that happened. So what is it about the uh, about the Kakai Bros that to you doesn't come across as heelish? Because they have the they have those moves that really just grate on people and get on their nerves. Like how one oh, of, of course, them, yes, they do. Like how one of them uh, puts his hand in his crotch and gets gets a sweat in, and then uses it to slap his opponent, right? And the purple purple attack, absolutely. right? Right. So how how those are those are, you know, not heelish moves? No, what I, what I mean by they don't act like heels is that. You know, TDT and Evan Carlo were going to be willing to use their henchmen for interference. And it's just that, you know, the Kakai base took them out of the equation. And at the same time, over the course of the match, there was interference on the part for the benefit of the network. So the only guys who played by the rules, essentially, were Marky and Kendrick of the Kakai Bros. Even though the Kakai base did have a role in the match. Yeah, yeah. The, the Kakai base mainly just got, you know, made sure that they leveled the playing field. That was all they really did, more than anything else. It's not like they did a run-in after that. Okay. What are your thoughts on the MWF collaboration? Uh, Gus Queens coming in with Rex Lawin and Frankie Sorry, 13. what was that? Uh, I asked about your thoughts on the MWF collaboration with the network. For me, that was probably the biggest mark-out moment. Of course, that was the highlight for me. In fact, as a, as a total mark, that was the biggest thing to, for me the whole night. And, you know, that was the thing that I really cannot... Uh, the fact that, you know, the MWF just showed up in the middle of 
uh, the tag team match. So you know when I saw Coach Gus there, and when I saw um, when I saw Rex Lawin, I was just marking out like crazy. You have no idea. I I need to get your thoughts uh, aside from marking out. Right? I need to get your thoughts on Coach Gus Queens, Rex Lawin, and Frankie Thirteen showing up. What did that mean to you as a fan of local wrestling? As a fan, that means that it's supported of things to come, and. That's what I was, you know, I would be missing come next year because I won't be able to see any of that anymore. I, I was marking out. I was happy. Although, you know, it sort of didn't make much sense. But then neither did Raw versus SmackDown make any, you know, heel face sense either. So I guess that's just par for the course. But my my God, that's really, for me, that was like the moment. I mean, you know, there were great matches from... From uh, from the show, there was uh, an awesome main event. But the thing that stuck uh, that stuck by me was really when Coach Gus and uh, Rex Lawid and Frankie Thirteen showed up. All right, okay, that's fair. So of all the things that happened, the MWF uh, appearance was the biggest takeaway for you. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. Before we get to the next match, who was the breakout performer from that three way? Well, for 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 that. Triple threat. I really think that the Kakai Bros really had a great match. Uh, they really brought out the best from from themselves that night. Uh, of course, it was a great match all around. But the Kakai Bros did some excellent character work the minute they hit their finisher, which I understand is called Rapbe. Yeah, that's right. The snapshot. And uh, when they hit it, and they were too busy celebrating to score the pin. I was thinking, what would Jejemon do? WWJD. And that was exactly... What they would have done. (laughs) All right. You know, it was perfect. It's like, yeah, that's what they would have done. And, you know, the fact that it led to the run in from uh, from, uh, MWF was just all the better. Okay. Now let's get to the next match. Uh, What was next on the card? Was it Martivo versus uh, Crystal? Yes. uh, It was the grudge match between Crystal and Martivo. All right. So. Talk to me about that match, about the Crystal heel well, turn, and you know how how she how different she seemed now that she's uh, she's she's a heel. Crystal needed this heel turn. I really think she needed this because her last few matches, when she was still a face, were you know it felt like she didn't quite know what to do in the ring. But now that she has turned heel, the you know the little thing she does in the ring reflect her character change. It's like she's more sure-footed with what she's doing now. And Martivo provided a, a great you know, foil to her, for her. And I understand that she ate the loss for this one. But the fact that she kept her momentum going by doing a post-match beatdown was, was the right way to go about it, I guess. All right. Um... What can you say about the story, though? Like, um, you know, how Martivo and Robin and Crystal used to tag together... How they they represented but the the, the uh, LGBT and the the women's uh, the women empowerment side of PWR. What do you think about all that? Well, I I think that with Crystal, uh, like I said, it felt like she was being sidelined and turned into a glorified valley, and you know it's an ego thing. And I could totally understand where her character would be coming from, and it makes sense because now you know. This time, it's about her. Because when she was trying to play by the rules, 
it only got her so far. When she was trying to be the nicey, goody-two-shoes character, it only got her so far. Hey, she got and, a PHX Championship match out of it. Yeah, but not the PHX Championship. See, see what I mean? It only got her so far. Okay, all right. So, who knows? It could lead her to the PHX Championship in the future. Or even, you know, or even the actual uh, Campeon ng Pilipinas title. Uh, you, the sky's the limit for her right now. And that's what makes her storyline very compelling. Because what? you don't know what she could achieve with her newfound persona. Okay, talk to me about the punk dolls, Martivo and Robin. How was Martivo as a singles act in uh, at Vendetta? And how was Robin in her role as Martivo's manager? That was a good, uh, for me, that was a good measuring uh, stick for Martivo in singles action. Uh, it was a very solid match between the two of them. It was, uh, it, it had the right amount of drama. And for me, I think at this stage in their feud, the right person won. And Martivo carried himself really well. And as for Robin, as in her manage in the man is a manager role. Well, obviously, I have a higher regard for her as a wrestler. So her being a manager was, you know, it was serviceable. But I prefer her actually wrestling in a match, especially lately where she's, you know, she's definitely gotten into even better ring shape than she already has before. All right. Um, what's the next match on the card? This is where I'm starting to forget the arrangement of the match. No worries. This is the Regime versus the YOLO Twins. It was the international ah, showcase. How could I forget? All right. So the the Regime and the YOLO Twins. Uh, so you didn't know about the Regime heading into Vendetta. I mean, you heard of them because we, we've been promoting them, but you had no idea yeah. who they were. So and I, yep, correct. So so uh, what did you think about them when you when they came out? Well, first of all, you know, the the obvious thing was, was that Seamus in the mask? That was the first thing I thought. Wow. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dr. Hertz, you know, well, yeah, obviously he's not as big as Seamus actually is, but that was the first thought that came into my mind. It was, it was a pretty dumb thought. But first of all, um, uh, the the cosplay on the part of the YOLO twins and, uh, and Ken, Ken Warren, Warren flew, flew over my head. I'm sorry, I don't. Call it sacrilege. I don't watch Rick and Morty. I know what they were referring to, but I have no idea what that was about. Yeah, so, I, I, I don't watch Rick and Morty either. So I mean, like, I appreciated the effort, but it wasn't something that I would be like, "Oh, hey." And you know, it also even got me to thinking more about the part where Ken Warren was a glorified valley for them, more so this time than any other time. You know, but, but as having said that. I cannot praise these guys enough, both competitive, uh, both tag teams, because I had no idea what to expect from Tango and Dr. Hertz. I deliberately did not watch any of their matches. I deliberately did, did not try to find out any extra details about them precisely because I wanted to be surprised. And lo and behold, I was definitely surprised with how great the match turned out to be. So, what was it about the regime that caught your eye when they were performing? Was it uh, was it their character? Was it their skill? Was it how they connected with the crowd? How were they out there? Because um, I could only uh, base it off of what I heard from from backstage. As a tag team, they were really executing things together very well. You know, because you know most tag teams they would either look alike or 
have uh, a bunch of tag team moves. Obviously, Tango and Doctor Hertz look nothing alike with the like each other. Oh yeah, but their their double team moves, their tandem moves are really you know they're they're poetry in motion. And then you have the Yolo Twins who who are just you know they just really prove to be why they're one of the premier tag teams in Philippine wrestling. Well, they've been a tag team since they day one. They really got you know. They really, they, they really acquitted themselves very well. But for me, the highlight was the really, uh, the really high frog splash from Tengu. That was like, wow! That for people should not be allowed to have that much hang time. It, it's funny that you mentioned that because the Weepy Noise, uh, we're not really known for like uh, for for being. Uh, on the right side of the genetic lottery, better you know when when we find a way to just overcome those odds, it just is mesmerizing to watch. And I say this because I I actually saw Tengu do the, do that uh, same frog splash before the show began, so mm-hmm. I had an idea of what his hang time really was. So that was really impressive. So uh, let, let me just yeah. get that out there. Um, after the match, uh, well, with the match itself, um, how would you describe it? Like. Did you did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? I enjoyed the match. I just didn't like the ending because you know more antics from more interference. More you know it, it gets kind of obvious because like if you like for me it's like coming in there. If I know these guys have a reputation for doing that, why would I let them get away with it? Okay, whether as a wrestler or as a referee. So you didn't like the ending, how uh, Ken Warren cost the regime the victory, but then afterwards, they... yeah, yeah, because he, you know, he he got in the way one time too many, and then you know the the Yolo Twins picked up the victory. I still think the Yolo Twins should have won, but I just don't think they needed to resort to that. What did you think about the post match uh, handshake? Right, like how how the Yolo Twins chose respect after the bar. What do you think about that? Uh, that was a nice uh, way to test the waters if the YOLO twins could be received the spaces. And it seems like people are ready to cheer them on if they're just given the you know, the right storyline, I guess. And as long as they don't scream into the mic. Yeah, as long as they don't scream into the mic or <laughs> you know, spit into the audience anymore, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't have them doing that. Yep. Okay. After that, the last match before Tama ba? last match before intermission, Tama, no? Yeah, so it, it was, was the All Out War. Yeah, All Out War Championship match between uh, the Apocalypse and the new champion Vlad Sinsik. So let me have it, man. Wow, uh, this was great, top to bottom. This was a great uh, All Out War match. I I think that. The Apocalypse needs more of these. It's just that too bad now he, he's not the guy holding the title, but he needs more of these. Uh, Vlad Sinsik has been doing very well. He's been very impressive from from the beginning, and it, I'm glad that he got the title for this one. But I'm also looking forward to the inevitable rematch between these two because, you know, these guys laid it all out there in the ring. I, I you know, I'm I, I'm glad nobody was seriously hurt, but that was as hard hitting as they come, and that was really what I would look for in all out war matches moving forward. What was the spot of the night for you, at least in terms of that match? Which did you enjoy I, the most? I think that's a gimme. It would have to be the, the makeshift table spot. Okay. I mean, it wasn't really a table, but there it was two plywood planks uh, with monoblock chairs all around, and then. Uh, 
Apocalypse got power bombed off the ladder by Vlad, and you know that was that was pretty good. Uh, that was just you know that got a reaction from everybody in the watching. What do you think a match like this and a result like this does for the character of the Apocalypse? Because one of the um, one of the criticisms we heard from you last time about the Apocalypse's character is that, okay, so that's him. That's that uh, he's supposedly from your deepest darkest fears. He's someone that everybody should be afraid of. But uh, what else? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was one of the things that you said following Octoberplex. So now that Vendetta's done and he's lost the All Out War Championship, what does this result do for him? It could give another side to Apocalypse for all we know. And it's about time. Because, you know, if, if we're, we don't, you know, Apocalypse has been around for so long, has been a constant, reliable performer for PWR for so long, but we've never really seen a different side to him, except, you know, a guy who runs into a match for random reasons, picks fights with people, and now, you know, now at least with a loss like that, there's a certain humanizing factor to that. I mean, you can't, take a loss, a beating that severe and just come out the same man. I hope not because that is perfect room for character development for, you know, for Apocalypse. You mentioned earlier that si Vlad Sinsek seemed like the right guy to take the championship off Apocalypse. Why yep. is that? I think it's because um, Vlad Sinsek uh, has a more defined character right now and as someone who could really put on a showcase because Vlad's facial reactions are beautiful. You know, when he's getting hurt, when he's doing weird stuff in the ring, you can see his face. The fact that Apocalypse wears a mask kind of hampers that. Mm-hmm. And in a ma- in matches where you need a lot of brutality, you need to see that brutality. And if you're looking at the stoic mask that doesn't move, that does detract from the experience. Okay. All right. Any other thoughts on the all-out war match before we get to the PHX championship? Well, I, I, I'm glad the match happened, and I'm glad that uh, you know this gives Apocalypse a chance to grow as a character. But at the same time, I'm wondering because I did catch the uh, the aftershock. I'm wondering what this would lead to for Vlad and uh, and Mike Madrigal down the road because they seem to have uh, patched things up. Yeah, that, that's uh, something that also caught my attention. Because when the tag team championship picture was still being built, the Deadly Sins actually came out as a dark horse favorite to win the championships. And then yeah. they split up. And a lot of people felt that they split up way too soon. And now both of them yeah. are champions, except that they're champions as singles guys. So yep. it, it's a pretty interesting wrinkle to their very complicated relationship. Exactly. All right. Now, um, speaking of uh, Mike Madrigal and the PHX Championship, he defended it in a three-way against Bolt and Zayden Trudeau. So, uh, who was the breakout performer of that match for you? <laughs> well, uh, I still say it's Zayden Trudeau. Zayden Trudeau was crisp throughout. It's just that you know, in this triple threat match, uh, everyone really had a, their chance to shine. So it's hard to just say that. You know, only one person stood out because honestly, this three, this match made all three guys. They made legit uh, wrestlers out of all three guys, and I, I think that Mike Madrigal winning was the right choice at this time. But 
even if either one, either Bolt or Zayden won, I wouldn't have had any objections. I think it was that well, you know, it was that uh, they were that well matched with each other in my perception. Wait, you said that this match legitimized all three guys. So, uh, do you mean uh, Mike Madrigal needed legitimizing heading into Vendetta? Now that you mention it, not really. Because <laughs> Mike Madrigal, uh, as a character, is arguably the most entertaining guy in PWR right now. You know, especially in the part where he actually, you know, there was a standoff between Trudeau and Bolt. And then he walked into the ring and joined into the standoff just for the photo op. That was that was just brilliant on his part. Uh-huh. He he knows he knows how to play with his character. He knows how to play with the audience. He has them eating out of the palm of his hand. So because the thing is, Trudeau and Bolt are excellent in the ring, but we have yet to see enough of them as characters. You know, you know what I mean. Uh, I mean, Trudeau is the Canadian. It's like. That's it. That's your character. I mean, I'm sure come 2018 they'll flesh it out better for him. But right now, that's all he is. He's the Canadian who enters the you know who enters the the ring, a rock version of the Canadian national anthem. So if you say now right now, Zayden Trudeau is just the Canadian guy. Uh, what was it about his performance that made him a breakout character? Were you able to flesh out more layers to his character in the match? Did you get to know more about him? What was it about his performance that stood out to you? What stands out to me about him is that this guy, you know, is an honorable guy. You know, he he helped out Bolt and then take any shortcuts to the way he would win. And that was, I think, what made the what made for a great storyline going on. And you understand that obviously come to blows because they're in a match, but that doesn't mean either of them have to be a bad guy. Sorry, Kel, uh, you were a bit choppy in that last sentence. Can you just say that mm-hmm. again? That that uh, thought on Zayden Trudeau. Yeah, um, Zayden Trudeau and Bolt have a friendly rivalry going on, right? But the thing that makes it really good is that it's one of the few rivalries where you understand that they will come to blows once they're in the match because may the best man win. But it doesn't mean one of them has to be the bad guy. You can see Zayden Trudeau has a mean streak. You can see it when he, you know, when he starts screaming in the ring. But you know that it's from a competitive streak and not because he's a bad guy. All right. Uh, really quickly, the match. What uh, what are your thoughts on it? Was it uh, was it enjoyable for you? Everything about the match was great. Like you have your modified Tower of Doom. You have um, you have a sharpshooter and a cross face, which is like uh, a Chris Jericho. He almost not be named homage. Man, to, you, you, you don't mean, have to censor yourself. You can say Chris Benoit. <laughs> no, I, I personally have you know I I have a reaction to saying his name. All right. Okay. That's a, that's how bad it is for me, uh, but yeah. So you have that uh, as a that that finish, and then and then you have the ending, the actual ending where the go to sleep just looks soft. And I guess it was I don't know maybe it was where I was standing or where I was watching that made it look soft, but it just looked soft from where I was. It just looked so anticlimactic, unfortunately. Okay. Any other thoughts before we move on to the second to the last match? I wouldn't mind a redo of this match. As in a rematch I w- I between all mind. three guys. 
yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing. And, you know, it's just too bad because PWR doesn't have, you know, the resources to have a cage match or something like that yet. But, you know, maybe some uh, some stipulation added for the three of them. Yeah, maybe you can bring up that concern to the new general manager. Whoever he may be. <laughs> hey, you never know. It might be a she. Or, or she. That, that too. That works too. All right. Uh, so in the the uh, second to the last match was Vintendo versus Makata. All right. Well, you knew that they put this match just so people can catch a breather between the PHX match and the Ubusanang Lai match. But I'm glad that the right man won. Because after all that build-up for Vintendo turning heel, if he lost this one again, wow, you know, you have to go back to the drawing board and give this guy a new character already. Okay. So just glad he won for this one. And it was a very convincing win with the, the really... And Makata, you know... Sorry, was it convincing win with what, sorry? With the... Elevated choke slam, like he hoisted on the top rope, on the top turnbuckle, and then did the choke slam. So that really looked good. All right, what about Makata? What can you say about how he he uh, looked out there? He looked solid in ring. He was okay. It's just that uh, for a guy who calls himself Makata, I really expect a better wrapping game from him, which he has yet to demonstrate. But other than that, I mean, what can you say about him in the race? He works very well with Nintendo. They have a very good history with each other. And uh, I, I think that's why they've been put together so many times. Let's just go through this really quickly. Because the Makata rapping gimmick, I kind of uh, I, I kind of get what you mean when you say that. But what is it about the rapping that na, na sayo? Is it the delivery? Is it the actual content? Is it the style? It's It's the delivery. Um, I mean, I watch Flip Top. I'm not a big Flip Top fan. I watch Flip Top enough to know um, what a decent rapper is. And, you know, if you're if that's your gimmick, you have to at least be decent. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be willing to go to, you know, to B-side and compete with, the, with, you know, with those guys. But you have to be at least decent. There are times Makata still stumbles on his words. Is it something that I mean? I mean, it's sure it's something that can be fixed over time, But I mean, it's it's not like it's something that. Oh yeah, I, I, no, I believe it can be fixed over time. It's just that you know, when you hand someone a rap gimmick, I really hope that person you know uh, uh, owns that gimmick because a rap gimmick is so hard to justify if you're bad at it. Right. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Now let's get to the main event, Ubusan ng Lahi. Uh, I believe there was a video package about right before the right before the main event began. Yep. First of all, your video packages. I, I've noticed that only problem now is the sound from if you're using live sound from a previous show. Yeah. Outside of that, everything about your video packages are world class now. Oh, thank you. So I, I just have to point out. I guess that's just. A logistical concern for you guys in the future that you have to figure out a way to have the sound recorded better or redub it if you you know because if you fix the sound problem that's your you're talking WWE quality video packages already. Let me ask you this: since you were with your dad and your dad hadn't seen a PWR show before, did the video package do its job in mm-hmm. filling him in on the story heading into the main event? Like, was it adequate uh, to to give him the details that he should know heading into the match? 
the fact that my dad stopped asking me questions once the video packages started hitting tells you that yes, they really were a great addition to the shows. Okay, I I'll take that. I'll take that. So yeah. okay, uh, let's start first with the entrance because that was when the reveal happened. But Jake DeLeon was the fifth guy. First, yep. did, did you uh, did you think that JDL would be the fifth guy, or were you convinced that somehow it would be it would actually be Poch stripping off his suit and and uh, throwing down? <laughs> no, I never thought it would be Poch. Um, remember when we did the last review and we did play the guessing game? I did throw out JDL as my final guess. Right, right. I remember that. And, yeah, and the only reason I didn't commit to that was because. He, like most of the other guesses I had, were was someone who had to come back from an injury, whether storyline or otherwise, because I wouldn't know. Yeah. So, me, I wanted to stay shy away from those guesses, but realistically, he was the most logical choice. Why do you because, say so? Because he's the biggest name you could probably put on, you know, on Team Sebastian that would get a huge reaction. Like I cannot think of anyone else uh, who did not wrestle that night, or who did not have that much involvement that night, who could have come in and gotten the same reaction. Not even Bombay Suarez. So, what did you think of JDL actually being the fifth man uh, when the reveal happened and everyone lost their minds and started getting off their seats? What was going through your mind, and then what did you think afterward? It made so much sense. It, it felt like, um, you know, if he has a grudge against uh, against you in that because he you overlooked him and you didn't even ask him to be part of your team or something like that, that made so much sense storyline wise. And and if he feels that you weren't doing a good job but he was just quiet about it, that could have played into that too. All of those things just made so much sense. It fell into place the minute he joined. Although it's funny because. Two of the guys on his team were the guys who beat him up when they turned heel. Yeah, exactly. I was actually going to bring that up because that's yeah. that's another detail that not a lot of people seem to remember just because of the gravity of the moment. The Banana John Sebastian was one of his most bitter rivals, took the PWR championship away from him. Rederick Mahaba and Ralphie Mabayashi turned heel on him. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think he... I'm I'm not sure if he faced Peter Versosa before, but I'm sure they've met in the ring. At they've some crossed point. paths. They yeah. have crossed paths. Right. So, so there, there's a lot of history between him and all four of those guys. So for him to just quickly trust them and then join their side, uh, I'm, I'm sure it raised some questions on your end. Of course, I, but I think it's because um, you know, and this is me filling in the gaps on my own, like a playing writer here. But it's like I'm I'm looking at it as a guy who has issues with how things are, how the status quo is, and wants to take matters into his own hands, even with people he doesn't necessarily, you know, like. It's like an alliance of convenience. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. But it's not necessarily these guys are going to be besties from now on. Right, right. Kumbaga, there's a bigger goal in mind, and I'll... Uh, I'll I'll forget muna yung differences ko with you. Let's set those aside. Let's get this guy out of power first, and then we'll figure it out later on. Yep, that that's how I see it. Of course, of course, you know, um, uh, JDL could have a totally different explanation in January that would you know make invalidate mine. But for now, that's how I'm seeing it. Okay, now let's 
let's go through the match itself. It's a huge match. I think it, we we went 30, 40 minutes. I I, I don't really remember. Yeah. Um, but what what can you say about the entire thing? About how it all went down, the story, the eliminations. I believe that Ubusan ng Lahi was the best PWR match I've seen of all time. That is a and huge include, statement. That is a huge claim to make. I know. Yeah, but yeah. That's how I feel. I'm standing by it. It's just, it's it is my opinion, and this is one time where I can say, you know, I stand by that opinion. Wait, no matter how many people disagree. Now you've seen a lot of PWR shows and a lot of PWR matches. What are the other matches that, uh, you know, that, that you've seen and that you feel have been knocked down a peg because of Ubusan ng Lahi? Well, anything involving Billy Swade. Wow. Okay, so that includes the Panzer Swade match from July and the JDL Swade yes. match from. Well, Revo X. the thing is, I wasn't at Revo X, so I can't say anything about JDL Rev. Uh, Billy Swade. Oh damn! You missed. I was you not at Revo X. Okay, you yeah, missed I know out on I that. missed out. I know I missed out. But you were but, there for Panzer Swade. Yes, I was, and that was awesome. That was a great match, and I would even say that knocks down for me um, the the match between Trudeau and Zayden Trudeau and Billy Swade, which for me is you know probably people are gonna underrate that, but I love that match. What was it about Ubusan ng Lahi that just shot it up all the way to the top of your list? Well, first of all, it seemed textbook. Like, we did say last time on paper that even with four members versus five, Team Sebastian looks stacked versus Team C. We, we said that last time. Yeah. And then you add the fifth member who happens to be a former champion, a two-time former champion. And that kind of bit more, you know, the odds are definitely not in the favor of uh, Team C. What made the match really good was that the pacing of the eliminations, every single one felt just right. It felt like in the match before they were out there were welcome. Sorry, sorry. You are saying uh, the pacing was right and then it yeah, felt it, like... It, it felt like every single elimination happened at the right time. Which elimination shocked you the most? Well... Obviously, the one where Chris Panzer got eliminated because he didn't realize that a tag wasn't made. And when he made the pin, you know, when he made a pin on, uh, I think that was uh, John Sebastian. He made a pin on John Sebastian. Rafi Mabayashi just hit him with the, with the Sonic Crusher. He didn't realize that the tag wasn't made. That was a shocker because that meant from there on that if been, they had to rely on they had to rely now on Miguel Rosales or Dax Sapiera. Okay, so you had a 5-on-5, five 10 performers uh, mixing it up in the ring. Who was the breakout yeah. star of that match? Oh, I, Miguel Rosales definitely showed that he is ready for, you know, to go solo if he wanted to. Like I I don't you know when when it was down three to one, I he made me believe for about the, that last ten minutes spurt of his where he started eliminating uh, John Sebastian and Jake De Leon. He made me believe that he could turn things around. Would you say that? that a, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Would you for say that? that no? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, uh, okay. Go go go. Would I say? Uh, would you say that it was a star-making performance for him? Oh, yes, it was. 
like after after the show, I I I looked for him first and told him, dude, that was your night. I I shook his hand and told him that was his night because that was a star making performance for him. I just have the, a few nitpicks about the match. Like mainly, I think I saw way too many sling blades for that match. Like I think they did four in a row. Or yeah, that's like that was just way too many. After that, I got sick of the moves. Like every time I see it now, I just I just got sick of it. So uh, that was probably the only low light of it. And then the other thing that got me to thinking was, you know, storyline wise, parang patalo si si Chris Panzer because this is the second time he costs you your job. You know, it ma- it makes you think like, is he really on your side? Okay. I think that's a fair question because uh, any, anybody who'd been following PWR prior to Vendetta would have probably noticed that, especially given the uh, the high profile of the Panzer Sebastian match from Re- Revo X 2016, right? Yep. So, you know, storyline-wise, that's how I see it. It's like, you see, it's like, the, actually, that was what I was thinking when you asked him to join your team. It's like, do you really want the guy who cost you your job the last time on your team well, then again, things things changed about between uh, 2016 and 2017. Like, there's an of argument course, to be he made a about right, right. There's an argument to be made about Chris Panzer from 2016 being very different from uh, the Chris Panzer we saw this year, who won the PWR Championship twice. That's true, though. That is true. It's just you know, it's just a funny thought, but obviously, um, it's not you know, it was it was ever a redemption arc for him. I, I'm sure. Right, right, yeah. I mean, um, I, I if, get what if, you he, mean. if he if he wanted for you, then he would have redeemed himself from from cost, costing your job a year ago. Yeah, and that would have been uh, continuity at its finest. Yep. Well, I, I'm a, as you can tell, I'm a continuity nut. Yeah, I, I yeah. like I like uh, taking note of things that happened. Yeah, I mean, um, I, as someone who also appreciates continuity, I totally see where you're coming from. So I get what you mean when you're picking on that little point. Now, there were a lot of spots in that match, obviously, because it's Habanya, and there were a lot of moments, peaks and valleys and all that. What was the spot of the yep. match for you? When, when you leapt down. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, no, seriously. Okay. Because, um, you know, for me, that was the culmination of everything that was going on there. To see you get on that top rope and finally get your hands dirty as well. All right. Uh, did you feel... I mean, like, yeah, sorry, sorry. Go. Yeah, because you are, I mean, your character is, you are a face uh, a face uh, authority figure. But you rarely get your hands dirty. I mean, it's not, It's like you rarely fight your own battles, which is good because, you know, that sets the wrestlers apart from you. But I, this was uh, a moment that was called for by the match, and you delivered. You know, the last, uh, I mean... I. Uh, I don't know, last time I checked, or like every time I check, uh, every time there's a face of 30 figure now, kapag they get physical, people keep thinking of Shane McMahon, diba? Because that's the yeah, precedent yeah. he set when he became the authority figure. So, um, not that I don't want to be a Shane McMahon, and it's not that I don't want to be a wrestler talaga. It's just that, you know, uh, it just never was in the cards for me. Uh, for one, I'm not, I'm not a trained wrestler, so it's not like I can uh, get my hands dirty anytime I wanted. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, if I did get my hands dirty all the time as well, kait na hindi trained wrestler, the you know, uh, there, there's even more nitpicking that'll come out of it. You get what I mean? Of course, which is why this was the perfect time for you to do just that. You know, if you did it any other time, it would have really looked uncalled for. But here, I don't think anyone would have complaints about you 
doing what you did in the match. It's really funny that we're talking about this now because I remember uh, my girlfriend was sitting in the crowd and there were a couple of guys behind her who were very snarky all throughout the show. So they would make snarky comments like, Oh, si Apocalypse, she's all-out war guy. Oh, oh, he's the champion. Hala, natalo na siya. Wala na siyang character. You know, you know, they would make remarks like that. And then when oh. when uh, when Migs Rosales was uh, egging me on to get up on that top rope and, and just uh, jump into everybody outside... There, uh, those same guys would make comments like, "Hala, nanginginig siya, nanginginig. Oh, hintuho, do tinamo nanginginig, nung pakiat." And like I, uh, when she told me that those comments after the match, I looked at her and I was like, "Well, for one, the shaking was real because newsflash, I'm not a wrestler. Number two, I, I wasn't wearing knee pads, and three, I'd never gotten on that top rope before that day, because again, I am not a trained wrestler." So you get what I mean? Parang if if my knees were shaking, it was really because it was real, and I think that's the proper human reaction to scaling a uh, I, I think it was a fifteen foot sixteen foot point, diba? And you're jumping yeah. into and, a, and, a massive sea of humanity. And that was the beauty. And that was the beauty of the match. You you did, everybody in that match did the right thing at the right time, from being eliminated to hitting the right move to kicking out of this or that move. You know, as far as I was concerned, the whole time, I was, my my suspension of disbelief was so, was just that high. It was just that, you know, I was just that into the match, especially once Miguel Rosales was the last man standing because uh, for Team C. Because I really thought if he pulls this out, we may see a new main eventer by next year. And even if he didn't, I still say, I think we found another main eventer by next year. I hope you're right. I mean, I think that that was the intention among when you know when Migs Rosales was uh, slated as the guy to get this rub from the match. So I, I do hope that you're right because I do see something in Migs Rosales as well. And you know, just to just just to take it back, I mean, um, I I did keep mentioning throughout your review that I'd been in the back the entire time. I was nervous and all that. And then when when mm-hmm. we went out there, it it was sobrang iba siya compared to every other match that I had. A bit of involvement in, like I would yeah, say, yeah. na uh, that was a match that I'm 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 proudest of in terms of me being mm-hmm. involved, like my my favorite of all time, mostly because of the stakes and I guess because I was really the central figure in in the story. So, mm-hmm. but like it's it's not every day now you, especially if you're a non wrestler, now you get to have a story built around you, right? Like regardless yeah. of the result. So. I uh, I really had a lot of fun out there, uh, just being out there and then cheering the guys on, and then uh, you know having to interact with guys like John Sebastian and Jake DeLeon, who uh, can can give Mike Madrigal a run for his money as a trash talker in that ring. Well, you know, before Mike Madrigal came along, that was what you know John Sebastian was. No, but I mean, I Mike... was referring to JDL. As in JDL is oh, a JDL. serious trash. Oh, wow. he's got a serious trash talker. Oh, yeah. Game. Oh yeah, uh, that, which is a side nobody's ever seen of him before. Exactly, but he has it. He exactly, has it. yeah, and and he found great. Uh, he he found someone to interact with. Like uh, the the guys on my my team, they weren't really trying to jaw jack with him, which uh, which ma- made it possible for him to jaw jack at me because I was on the outside and was yeah. pretty much helpless while everyone else was there fighting for my job. Right, so uh, I I for one really had a lot of fun when that was happening. And I don't know. I don't know what else to say about uh, that match. Because um, on my end, I was just really focused on 
hitting, uh, like like making sure that I was at the right place at the right time and not not screwing up for anybody. You get what I mean? Yeah. Well, then I will fill in the blanks for you. This was the greatest PWR match of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, oh thank you, thank you. Um, I'm I'm just glad. Yeah, you know, uh, I was a part of it, and I was telling. Uh, the writers in the back now. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciated it. Uh, the way that you guys uh, wrote it, wrote it. I mean, like if if this is how my uh, my stint as a as an on air personality in PWR comes to an end, then you know I'm 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 okay. I can live with that because uh, mm-hmm. it 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 was nice to go out on my back, even though I wasn't wrestling. You know what I mean? Like uh, getting the yeah. kill shot, getting the. Uh, getting the double knees from Peter Versosa and then just getting taken out right there with the lights uh, coming down on me. So uh, yeah, it, it it was it was poetic, I guess. It, it was, and it sets up a whole new question on what the dynamic will be for PWR come next year. Yeah, and I uh, I, I don't know. This sounds a bit petty coming from me, but if anybody else wants to go on my curious cat and say, "Now you don't know shit because you've never taken a bump," I want to I want you to watch this match. Just watch this match, watch everything that happens afterward, and then talk to me about taking a bump. Oh wow, yeah. I'll say. Alright, so let's let's wrap it up at least for the vendetta portion of, of this review. Uh what mm-hmm. are your final thoughts on the whole show? In terms of logistics, the feel, the way it was put together, time management, everything you can put it out there, and then uh we'll go to individual honors. Okay. Arguably, uh like my girlfriend says that vendetta is her for her was the best PWR show of all time. Okay. I'm finding it hard to disagree, even if I still have a soft spot for, I think that was Renaissance, the the one in Playland. Yeah, yeah, that was Renaissance. Yeah, that was Renaissance, because I have a soft spot for that one. But right now, looking back, I'm having a hard time disagreeing with her evaluation that PWR Vendetta uh, was the best show you guys have ever had. Uh, so I'll say... It's on par, uh, at the very least, a compromise and say it's on par with with uh, Renaissance this year, and that is high praise because for me, that that show was an A. All right, thank you. And uh, match of the night, I think it's Ubusanang Lahi now on your end. Like, uh, no it's question. safe to assume that, right? No question. And who was your MVP of the night? MVP of the night was probably Miguel Rosales for very obvious reasons. Uh, that was a star-making night for him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts if he ends up holding a non-tag team championship by the end of next year, or even with within the first half of next year. All right. Uh, thanks for the review for uh, of Vendetta. Like I appreciate it. It's always a lot of fun just uh, talking about this with you. And uh, we'll get to the Balik Bayan review in a bit. All right. All right. No problem. What's up, guys? This is uh, Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to the SGP Podcast. All right, now it's time for us to get to the review of MWF Balikbayan. So I got Kel Fabi with me, and I got to ask you, uh, for the fourth show of MWF, did you have any expectations heading into MCS? Well, I, I see um, MWF as a great work in progress. So... I keep having certain expectations about little improvements they could make. Some of them are met, some of them are not. <laughs> so my main expectation for MWF was, of course, there had to be some fallout from what happened in the PWR show when the invasion happened. All right. So Unfortunately, that didn't quite get 
what I expected, but mm-hmm. you were there for I don't know, for the previous show. Uh, was it Republica? No, no, no. I'm, I'm getting this wrong. I am getting Road to Fate. Yeah. Uh, uh, no wait. Road to Fate. Yes, I be, I was there. I was there. So okay, given Road I've to been Fate, to all, all shows. Oh, look at you! Perfect attendance so far. Yeah, perfect attendance for MWF. So, given that, uh, what did you want them to improve on from Road to Fate heading into Balikbayan? First of all, their sound system has been a constant problem. And up to now, they still have to deal with technical issues. Um, and then, um, I always ex- notice that at the start of any show, there's a certain awkwardness at the start of a, a ma- the first match. Of every show, um, and surprisingly, even the first match that involved Mister Lucha, who I feel is one of the finest wrestlers in the country right now, you know, even that had its uh, initial jitters, like that initial awkwardness. All right. So you mentioned right before we clicked record that there are six matches on the card, or there were six matches on the Correct. card. Correct. All right. Were there any surprise impromptu matches again, or were there uh, six on talaga? There were four announced matches, and then there was an open challenge from Fabio Makisig, uh, which thankfully did not yield uh, a show of a showing up again. Um, and then there was a gig striker who was just supposed to do an in-ring promo. Then suddenly someone challenged him to an impromptu match. Okay. Did the show start on time? The More or less, uh, yeah. They started uh, like maybe just five minutes late, yeah, because they were thinking about maybe waiting for other people because it was APEC traffic, uh, I mean, ASEAN traffic. So they were thinking about that, but then they saw that some people showed up like 2 p.m. or 1 p.m., so they decided to start on time instead. Um, this, the show started kind of weird because immediately there, the mic gave out on them. Yeah. And then... Someone had to sing the national anthem live. Oh, all right. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. It's just that it wasn't part of the plan. And shepherd na kahiyaan pa because it's not like someone would just volunteer to sing the national anthem on the spot. Yeah, at a wrestling uh, show of all places. At a wrestling show. Yeah, but thankfully, BJ David, a uh, good friend of mine, decided to stand up and do just that. Um, and I want to set the table for you of how different my enjoyment of this show was. Because when you're in PWR, anywhere, practically anywhere you sit, you have a good vantage point yeah. uh, in the Powermax Center. In, in Makati Cinema Square, because the video, there's a wall that shows a video, only, the side, the, the, only one side of the audience gets to see that and I was not on that side I was on the corner nearest the ring it was the nearest towards the ring but you do not see the corner uh, the where the video screen is and where most of the outside of the ring action happens because they go towards the front what's so up I was with the video the screen though uh, was it for like a Titantron for entrance videos or did they have video packages as something well? something like that yeah Titantrons and then some match uh, post like pre-match interviews or some interviews like that, promos. And then when they announced Ho Ho Lun from CWC, they also played that video with the infamous, um, I don't know his name, uh, William, I think. Yeah, Mr. William, who 
announced that Hoholan was coming December 9th. No, you got to get it right. He he goes by William Elvin. Come on, Kel. Where's your journalistic integrity? I, I'm sorry. It was the first time I encountered him, and I, I wasn't uh, wasn't exactly taking notes. But I I, I he he did the announce that he was going to show up. So it was a. Uh, I mean I mean Hoholan was coming. So that was a uh, that was a pretty pretty big deal for a lot of people. There were a lot of reactions. Um, but for me, my enjoyment of the show was kind of hampered because. To my left was a couple who was making out most of the night. Wait, and during the show? Bah- during the show, yes. As in they paid and bah- entrance tickets to watch an MWF show only to spend the afternoon making out there? Yep. Wow. Okay. That's a first. Yeah. Yeah. And to behind me were probably the two marks who the two smarks who were sitting behind your girlfriend during Vendetta because all I heard was their side comments. Then they were, you know, it was it. It got annoying pretty fast. Okay, so 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 those were factors that would affect my enjoyment of the show that otherwise would not. All right, now let's get to the first match on the card. Uh, which came out first? Was there a promo or was it a match talaga? There's an initial. I think there was a quick promo by uh, you know just uh, not really a promo, but so much as uh, an out of character introduction by. Uh, by Mike uh, Mike Shannon of what was going to happen, and then immediately Mr. Lucha versus Morgan Vaughn started off the match, and this is what I've always remembered. The last time I guested on your show, I said that there was this awkwardness of seeing two people who seemed like they knew they were wrestling for real. You know, you know what I mean. Like you have two people in the ring who look like they know they're pretending to wrestle each other. Right, because the and, classic advice from veterans is don't play a wrestler, be a wrestler. Exactly. And I was surprised that even Mr. Lucha fell for that curse that MWF has. That their every first match, there is a certain period that they are feeling things out like that. Okay, so... It happened. It happened awkward even chat. to him. And so you're saying It awkward was awkward. Chat. Like, the first... Three minutes was kind of awkward. They were feeling it out, and then finally, things you know things uh, kicked into second gear, and the rest of the match went off without a hitch. Because Morgan Vaughn is really, you know, I, I jokingly call him Yolo Triplet because he's very skilled in the ring. He also plays a Minelnial, you know, and he keeps on asking people, "You want to see something cool?" We we jokingly call him the Yolo Triplet, but. He's he's very solid and he's a great opponent for Mr. Lucha to start off the night. It's just that I think they they've been misusing Mr. Lucha so far in MWF. Why do you say that? Like, what you know? is the Mr. Lucha character? Because uh, my only impression of him is from having seen him at Republica, and the way he comes across to me is physically he's like the creator wrestler where you just dump all the layers and put every little thing you can find in the wardrobe. <laughs> And you and you pimp him out to be the most decked out character possible, right? But and, and yeah. as a as an in ring performer, he's a big dude who uh, wants to be a luchador. So that's that's all I know of the Mister Lucha character. So in the two shows since, has his character been fleshed out even more? Well, they they tried something like that because his next show, the next show, he he had the match against Ashura, and you know he was trying to. Play nice because Ashura is a woman, and you know that that whole gentleman shtick. That oh, I'm a guy, uh, I'm a gentleman, I won't hit a woman, blah blah blah. Sure. But then, 
eventually he has to because it is a match. So he did and he won. And then Ashura suddenly goes notice me senpai and hugs him from behind. It's a nice character bit. But it's it feels like you don't need character bits for Mr. Lucha. Okay. Um, you need to showcase him wrestling. And we did not get that in uh, with the Ashura match. And this one, um, uh, I'm glad we got that. But he's still criminally, you know, I still feel he's criminally misused because um, he's someone I expect to see towards the end of the show, main event material. And putting him to start the show may be an idea to, you know, to get a hot start for the show, but it feels like he was better used elsewhere in the program. All right. Any other thoughts on the match? Well, um, this is the fourth match. One, two, three. Yeah, fourth match Mr. Lucha has had, and this is the fourth finisher he's demonstrated. It's like, um, you know, choose one, dude. <laughs> okay. I mean, there, yeah, there's he's, an he's... argument to be made na in every in, in every match, but in every fight, you can end the fight in so many ways. So, parang in, yeah. in, ideally, any wrestling match can end any matter of ways. But then again, the conditioning of a wrestling match is you have to have a signature, a finisher, right? Yep. So that's that's where the criticism is rooted in. Yeah, because uh, you know, you you see that this is a great wrestler who who you know who seems to still be finding, you know, trying to discover stuff about himself in the ring. That's that's my take on him. Like, this guy knows he's good, he is good, but he's still experimenting. And it's like, um, maybe you should leave that to the training sessions and just come out with a more solid moveset for, for you know, for your actual shows. I mean, I'm not the kind of guy who expects the five moves of Doom because, you know, I mean, I don't keep count. But, you know, if you finish your match in a different way and you're the only guy in the entire country who seems to be doing it, there's there's something to be said for that, you know. And maybe it's uh, there's a lack of consistency. There's a lack of, um, uh, like, you haven't done enough to make certain moves credible as a finisher. Like, his finisher was essentially a version of... Uh, 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 idol Martinez's pay in. Okay. So it felt like, uh, you know, it, it felt weird. It just felt weird. Like I said, it, it feels like they're misusing him right now. It's like, um, I know that there's only so much room in the main event, especially since they don't have title belts to fight for. But I think Lucha really needs to be further up the card. Okay, uh, and and you say this based on in ring skill, based on the yeah. character, or is it because he was the guy who was presented as one of the main characters in the first show? I, I, all those three factors in rings is splendid. Um, I think I'm beginning to think that 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 initial jitters in every MWF show is a curse because no wrestler has from their roster has overcome it so far. So it might not even be have anything to do with the actual wrestlers anymore. And um, character-wise, he he's he the life. He's a very bright, colorful, uh, baby-faced character that you could get behind. He's, he's like a Hulk Hogan who doesn't grate on my nerves. All right. What was the second match on the card? It was Fabio Makisig versus uh, a new guy who came in from the audience called uh, his name is Kyle Season. But they jokingly called him Kyle Paul. So his name is Kyle Season. Let's go, Kyle Paul. 
I thought he was Chinese and his last name was Po. Yun pala, was Kyle Po because Fabio asked him a question and he responded mm-hmm. Kyle Po. So that's how it went down? <laughs> yep, that was the joke. <laughs> okay, alright. So uh, can, can you paint a picture for me of how it all happened and what you thought of the match? Fabio Makisig uh, is probably the best Tagalog promo in the country right now. And Better than Moises Liwanag? Yes, because Moises is a heel, but he's getting all the face reactions in the world. Better than Idol or Lodi? Idol mixes English and Tagalog pretty capably. But this is straight Tagalog, dude. Even even Moises does Taglish. Okay, so so Fabi goes out and cuts a promo. What does he talk about? Like, uh, about how good he was. I mean, that's his character. He's the better than your heel. That's a very archety- archetypal character. But what sets him apart is that he, so far, he's been backing it up in the ring. He's won every match he's had in uh, in so far. Like, he's had three matches already. He's won all of them. Okay, so so uh, Kyle Season or Kyle Po, whatever. Uh, yeah, sorry, I, I'm getting From confused. the audience. Okay, from the like audience. He, he, so it's like, like a Santino sta- Morello open challenge. Yeah, he starts challenging people from the audience. And then I think um, uh, AB3 jokingly said, Oh, so yeah, ako. And then, you know... Um, Fab- Fabio jokingly ignores him and then he turns his attention to this guy in the audience uh, Kyle Season who who is in a jersey that says Season so you're, there's no mistaking what his family name was okay so he, I, okay I wouldn't know I wasn't there but okay okay yeah so he stands up and then uh, takes the challenge on and then they have a pretty good match um, I, I think the, the thing with uh, Fabio Makisig is he's He's clearly super athletic, but a super athletic person does not necessarily translate to a super great wrestler. You, you know what I, I, I'm trying to say? There's what a, was it about a... him then? Because uh, you, you're saying that there's a lot of room for improvement in his uh, in-ring game, but what was it about his wrestling style that you felt needed improvement? Well, I guess I don't know if it's just his character, but he's clearly you know holding back. He's I mean, holding not, back. not okay. with the stiffness, okay? Because his his hits look like they really hurt. But he's holding back with, you know, he's not doing uh, a lot of stuff that you know he's capable of. And then at the same time, he shows off when uh, when it's least necessary for him to show off. So I guess it might be a character work for for him. But for me, it it translates to me as you know, I wonder how he's gonna look like when he has to carry. A twenty-minute match with uh, you know someone like Robin Sane, for example, because so far he hasn't had matches like that. Let's talk about the stiffness just really quickly, because since you mentioned it, that was one of my observations about his game when I caught Republica. Now, mm-hmm. um, as as a fan, what can you say about the way that he employs the stiffness in his matches? I don't know if he's breaking the fourth wall, because when he was. Uh, you know, beating on Hanzelo Silva, he was talking about Hanzelo Silva not showing up for training. And when he was on the mic during uh, um, Balikbayan, he was actually saying that um, Ninja Ryujin no-showed. Okay. So I don't know if he's pulling the curtain back or he's just playing off of his character. All right. But how about uh, the way that he handles his business in the ring? Like, is he... Uh, is the stiffness? Um, I, I I don't know because I get again I wasn't there. So can you talk about the stiffness or for you was it something that you didn't necessarily pay attention to? 
Well, I, I paid attention to it, but it seems like his stiffness was, you know, it, it was still controlled. It wasn't like the reckless thing I see from a certain other wrestler we'll get to in a little bit. Okay. So it's like um, he's there. He's, he's like, and I think he's, it's like he's also willing to take as much as he's giving anyway. So I guess that's fair game. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the code for wrestlers when it comes to this guy's being stiff. Should I be stiff right back? I don't know if there's a an unwritten rule that, you know, if he can take it as much as he dishes it, then it's okay. As far as I know, it's uh, it's basically up to the two guys in there or uh, ho- however many they are to agree na parang, okay, uh, I'm, I'm going to be this stiff on you and, you know, bahal, uh, like as long as they're in agreement na those are the parameters of, say, their stiffness, but if it's well within their bounds, it's acceptable. Uh, as long as at the end of the day, you still take care of one another in the ring, diba? It, it does look like he takes care of his opponent anyway because from what I saw, his finisher, it's a roundhouse kick to the head. He, he, it's pretty safe considering that, you know, there are so many ways that could go wrong. Yeah, then again, neither of you, uh, neither you nor I are trained wrestlers, so what do we know, yeah, right? So I, like, oh, yeah, exactly. You know, I, our our I, journalistic I mean, I integrity speculate. just goes out the window. <laughs> I can only speculate. Right, right. And, okay, uh, let's. Uh, how about Kyle Season? Um, how so after did he, the match, yeah, how did he have he, an? Uh, how did he strike you in his debut? It was like John Cena versus Kurt Angle's day, the debut of John Cena. You know, here's your plucky underdog. He just suddenly gets into a fight and takes it to Fabio Makising, who you know starts off by toying around with him, and the next thing he knows, Kyle Season is actually legit. And gives him a run for his money, and then Fabio ends the match when he realizes, "Oh crap, I could lose." And then afterwards, he gets interviewed by uh, uh, Mike Shannon, who asked him if he, who asked him if he still wants to be a wrestler, and he said, "Absolutely." So I guess that's your debut for your next wrestler in uh, MWF in uh, Kyle Season. Okay, now uh, what about? The third match. I mean, are there other other thoughts, or are you are you good with, uh, with with these thoughts on Fabio versus Kyle? Yeah, Fabio is the kind of guy I want to pick his brain because he's very outspoken, and oh, okay. I don't. And it's like I want to, you know, see how he picks because I I find him very, you know, a very curious. I'm very curious about how he thinks and about how what he wants to do with uh, with his wrestling career. Uh, I mean, that's that's like, you know, um, that's just my observation of him. Like, this guy seems to have a lot to offer. And I just want to, if I had the chance, he's the kind of guy I'd love to interview. All right. Now, what happened next after Fabio versus Kyle Season? It was the Balikbayan hardcore match. So it was a Balikbayan box match okay. with Frankie 13 versus Moises Liwanag. And I have to say, I was very disappointed with this match. Oh, why? Because... Yeah, when it's a hardcore match, you expect a certain level of hard hitting. Okay. You know? It's a hardcore match. That's what you expect. And the minute I look at these guys and they're clearly pulling their their their, their, their shots on each other, I just take it out of the match because I, I know you guys are play acting in front of me. And that that's really sad because um Frankie thirteen is one of the most charismatic guys in the roster. And Moises Liwanag is over as heck. He can do whatever he wants, and people will applaud him. Did Brother Jomar and, make an appearance? 
he got beat up a lot of times. Oh. The hardest shots were not to Frankie 13 or Moises Liwanag. It was to Brother Jomar. All right. Uh, and and yeah. lights. Yeah. So, so um, you, it's like, like I said, I, I watch like a mark. But when I see something that is obviously fake, then I have to go like, wait, oh, come on. It, it takes me out. And it really took me out because um, I just saw one of the best uh, hardcore matches in a week ago from uh, Apocalypse and Vlad Simsik. And Vlad actually took a shot, a straight uh, Singapore cane shot, I think, to the head. I wasn't expecting anything like that from Frankie or Moises, but I you could tell they were really pulling their hips. Okay. So, um, since you mentioned that, you'd you just seen an all-out war match between Vlad Sinsik and the Apocalypse, and then you're, uh, you, you went to MWF, and then you get to see Frankie 13 versus Moises Liwanag. What, what can you say about yung scheduling? Because as a fan, diba. Sometimes if you're not if you're not well off, you're like, okay, I only have money for one show. I'll only go to this show and not that show. You know what I mean? Because of the proximity in terms of schedule. Or yeah, yung of tipong, course. In tipong, ah, nung Sunday kanonod ko lang, tapos Saturday wrestling na naman para nakasawa, ba? For some people, that could very well be that the case. That is valid. Yeah. Um, so I what can you say about that schedule-wise? Even though it's not something that either promotion consciously coordinated or uh, worked on together. Right? What, what can you say about that from your end as a fan? I, I think it's unavoidable. And as a fan, if you are short in resources, you do have to make uh, a, a judgment call on what you'd prefer to support. Um, but at the same time, you know, I it's not like you can force these, you know, PWR and NWF to get in a room together and say, okay, this is our part of the calendar, this is your part of the calendar. That's not going to happen. Because, I mean, you guys may be cordial with each other, you may have a cordial relationship, but that doesn't mean you're going to plan your shows around each other anytime soon. I think that's fair. So I, yeah, so I, I find that that's unavoidable, that's really going to happen, but um, there's so much room for the Philippine wrestling industry to grow anyway, that eventually I see MWF having a very different audience from PWR when when both uh, when, when MWF specifically finds its niche. Okay, now let's take it back to the Balik Bayan match. Um, you said that the match was disappointing, but there were there any redeeming moments or any redeeming spots? Well, the only hint that there was a crossover was the fact that um, Frankie 13 took out the TDT shirt from one of the Balik Bayan boxes. Okay. Aside from AB3 getting in the action, he actually hit one of the wrestlers because he was held, you know, um, he was given a, sh- a chance to take a shot. But that was the only crossover moment. And, like, I was looking for something like that. So um, I guess I had to make do with that. You know, the mark in me had to make do with that. But um, it... You know, I think they could have had a much better match if they didn't have the hardcore stipulation because they were not willing to go hardcore in each other. Uh, and, you know, that's too bad because if you're not willing to, then don't don't go through with the stipulation. 
I can uh, understand the Moises Liwana character being hesitant because he's a man of faith, right? Supposedly, like he's not really supposed to be using violence. But then again, the irony there is that he is a very belligerent character. But for someone like yeah. Frankie Thirteen, who is a grunge character, what does uh, what, what does the reluctance to be hardcore do for the character? It makes him really soft because this is the softest hardcore match I've ever seen, and I've seen some bad hardcore matches. Okay. And that's that's really sad because the last time they had a match, it was great. All right, uh, I think their last match was at Republica, but right? the one where yep. the uh, the finish involved Moises doing the Pieta pose with uh, Frank. Exactly. Dez. Yeah. Exactly. Well, of course, now they're one and one because um, Frankie won the match via uh, top rope double foot stomp. But again, the most hard the most hard hitting. You- in the match was the hits brother Jomar took and one of the lights got blown out when uh, when Frankie tossed one of the umbrellas into the air no okay so that wasn't intentional was it no no all right all right any other thoughts on this before we move on uh he, I like Moises Liwana because he's one of my favorite characters um is this that obviously he's he has a swagger now, um, which he did not have during his first appearance. Uh, ever since the second appearance onwards, he has a swagger where he knows what he's doing in the ring. He knows what he's doing on the mic. But it does not translate to his video promos. All right. So I guess that's a point for improvement for the guy because, my my goodness, I am a huge fan of Moises Lewanak. And he, the sky is the limit for what his character can achieve. And clearly, he can go face or heel. It's really up to him what he wants to do at this point. Okay, okay. Sige. So, uh, what was the fourth match on the card? It's Gig Striker, who was supposed to do an in-ring promo, but ended up being challenged to a match by RG from the tech booth. Okay, I, I need to I need to ask you this question before you get into the match itself. Because just earlier on in the afternoon... You had Kyle Season uh, coming out from the crowd to challenge Fabio, and then yep. now you have RG challenging uh, gigs from the tech booth. So normally, a stunt like that is something you pull only once in one show. So I given, know. given that it happened again, um, and this is coming from my perspective as someone who didn't attend the show, uh, from for you, was there a sense of diminishing returns? Uh, yes and no. Yes, because it feels like Ashura all over again, where she she kept for two shows straight, two or three shows straight, she kept on being a surprise match. Yeah. Um, but no, because it could be a running joke for MWF that eventually every single member of their staff and their audience tries to be a wrestler at some point. Or so in every show may surprise performer. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it could be uh, it could be their shtick, and that that. I guess that would work for you know maybe the for a few times and then afterwards they'll have to find something new. But it when they did it here, it worked for me. Why? You what have, about it worked? Because um, this was kind of different because um, Fabio did an open challenge, so it's like you expected that someone was going to step up to the challenge. But with Gig Striker, he was challenged. He was, uh, you know, by one of the tech guys. And what made it different was RG cut a really, you know, he he, he 
he had a really good promo uh, where he really said that he explained his motivations for wanting to challenge Gig Striker. That he wanted to show that um, at some point we have to surpass our idols, and this is my chance to do that. So was so RG the, a babyface or a heel? There were no heels here. I mean, uh, both of them played babyfaces. Okay. So it was a very good match as well. Um, RG apparently, you know, uh, has trained very well. Um, of course, Gig Striker gets the win uh, via Sharpshooter, but at the end of it, they they made it clear that RG, even though he's going to go back to the tech booth now, has a future as a wrestler. All right. So uh, to wrap it up, uh, did you think that it was a good debut for RG? Did he leave an impact on you coming out of the show? He definitely left a better impact on me than Kyle, mainly because RG RG's promo really spelled out his motivations for me. Like I could relate to this guy. Like I, you know, if I were younger and I were a wrestling fan helping out behind the scenes, why wouldn't I want to at some point try and get and hang in the ring with one of the guys if I'm given the opportunity? Okay, so um, uh, just just to clarify, okay lang sayo na they had two surprise uh, surprise debuts na planned in the same show. Okay lang, but if they do it again, medyo tama na. <laughs> okay. you know, I, I, it's like, I think it was called for because they have a very thin roster right now. Was like, it sure at had... this show? Sorry. No, she wasn't at all. Okay. And so, neither so... was Ninja, Ninja Ryujin. All so right. that means uh, they have a total of 14 wrestlers now as opposed to uh, the 12 they originally had. Okay. Uh, sorry, so I, they, I, I they, didn't let you finish that last thought. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's just like it's growing pains for them because they have a very small roster right now. So it makes sense that multiple people would debut uh, uh, at the same time. And given their circumstances... They wanted to make it seem organic, so make it from the tech booth, make it from the audience, and you know it, it felt like a running joke at the time. We were we were laughing like next thing you know, I'm going to go up and challenge, and then my girlfriend's gonna challenge, and then a, a bunch of other guys are gonna challenge, and next thing you know, everyone's a wrestler inside that inside the arena, you know, something like that. Okay. So we're four matches uh, out now. Two more matches. What uh, what was the match before the main event? Aldrin Richards versus Hanzelo Silva. Oh, it was okay. A, it was the best MWF match ever so far. Okay, of the of of the four shows they've had so far, Aldrin of versus Hanzelo. Of all Hanzello the shows they've the had, best. yeah, and it's arguably in my top three matches of all time, Philippine wrestling wise. Okay, that high, that high up. All right, what was it about that match that really? left a good impression on you? Well, first of all, it really felt like Aldrin Richards wanted to prove something because like Hanzelo was saying during the the um, the video promos, he's at least won a match or two already and Aldrin has not won a single thing. And, you know, for a guy whose gimmick is ripping off Alden Richards, um, that's, that, that's like essentially calling out your manhood like are you really just gonna be a joke something like that and he responded to the call by really taking it to 
taking the match to Hanzelo Silva. This was hard hitting, uh, really hard hitting, uh, a really good exchange of solid moves all around. Like, I'm I'm not a Japanese wrestling fan. I I hardly know anything about Japanese wrestling, but I know for a fact that I saw a brainbuster, which is a big deal anytime it's broke, it's busted out, and I saw a one winged angel. So wait. Uh, the one-winged angel finished the match, which means somebody yes. kicked out of the brainbuster, right? Yes, Hanzelo kicked out of the brainbuster. Okay, H- how do you feel about that? Uh, I I don't have an affinity for the brainbuster, so I guess I'm okay with it. Okay, I'm. It's not like um, it's not. I mean, especially if you're a guy who doesn't watch Japanese wrestling, you watch American wrestling. And the Brainbuster is a mid-match move in American wrestling. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, but that being said, it really looked, you know, as painful as Japanese wrestling makes it out to be when they hit those moves on each other. And the thing is, my I guess my only gripe is Hanzelo Silva when he sells the pain, uh, like when he sells being hurt, it sounds like he's being pleasured. I'm sorry. I, I don't know how else to phrase it. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, uh, uh, if I were there, if I would have heard it, I probably would find that very off-putting. Yeah, it, yeah. Because it, 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 even his facial reactions, it it doesn't look out of place in Brazzers. All right. So I guess that's something to work on. Because come on, you just had the best match ever in MWF history so far. So if that's the only thing I can notice, your facial reactions and your and your voice, you know, that, that's those that's that's easy pickings for you to work on. Okay, so let's talk about the characters a bit before we get to the main mm-hmm. event. Did this match, as good as it was, did the match add value to their characters moving forward? Yeah, yeah, because Aldred Richards is now no longer just uh, you know the wrestling bay. Now he's a guy who's driven who will pull out all the stops just to get a win. And Hanzelo is also the guy who will not settle for second best from his opponent. Because the thing is, Hanzelo had the match won. He hit his finisher, which was uh, like another knee to the face. But he he stopped the three count and told, uh, picked up Aldred and said, then started slapping him around. Wait, and so who the won the match? Continued. Was it Hanzelo or Aldrin? No, no. Um, Aldrin won, but Hanzelo almost had the match won because he hit his finisher uh, towards the near the end of the match. But instead of going for the three count, he stops the three count, picks up Aldrin and says, you know, demands that he prove himself. And both of them also worked babyface here. Yeah, they were both babyface here. It was it didn't feel heelish when he picked him up. He, he picked him up and he said that, you wanted to prove something. Now's your chance. Prove it to me. And then they started slapping the heck out of each other. Okay. Uh, anything else on Aldrin versus Angelo? And I, I think it's uh, clear as day that this is your match of the night. It is. It is. So um, I, I think there's a lot of room for improvement for Angelo, promo-wise, uh, voice-wise, facial reaction-wise. But if he keeps what he's do- up what he's doing in the, in the ring, he he will go places and Aldrin Richards on the other hand, wow, um, you know you know when people used to say that um, who's that guy Hardcore Holly had the best drop kick in the business. Well, I think Aldrin does. All right, 
Uh, now we are going to talk about the main event, which is Rex Lawin versus Robin Sane. Tama, diba? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, was there a video package hyping up the main event, like to refresh everyone on the story? Uh, unfortunately, no. The video package before the main event was the announcement of Ho Ho Lun. Oh, okay. You want to talk about the Ho Ho Lun thing first? I'll be honest. I, I have not seen CWC. So, I, I know it's a big deal. But I don't know how much of a big deal it really is. Okay. Uh, so I I guess it's a big deal, obviously, in the sense that Ho Ho Lun is the first uh, person from our region who got to the WWE, right? And since the Cruiserweight Classic really got uh, so much coverage when, yeah, it uh, throughout its run in, in WWE, I think that's that's part of what makes this a really huge deal. And the fact that, um, paano may name recognition si Hoholon. That part I understand. What I don't understand is, you know, how well will MWF capitalize on that notoriety? Okay, yeah, I think that's a fair concern. On top because of that, yeah, sorry, go. By now, you should have announced who he's gonna go up against. Yeah, given uh, the next show is in less than a month. Yes. Okay, I get that. Ako so naman, I, I think, yeah, you on the other hand. Yeah, yung concern ko lang is actually more logistics in nature. Because mm-hmm. it's more logistical. I, I want to see if Ho Lun would be comfortable performing in, in, in a boxing ring. Yes, exactly. Diba? Uh, uh, I, I guess not a lot of people, I mean, if you're a casual fan, for you, parang, okay, wala lang, they're in a the ring, diba? they're wrestling. But if, if uh, you're uh, a keen observer, lalo na if you're in the business, and if you're listening to this podcast, you will immediately think of the boxing ring. Because uh, the PWR guys, for one, know how difficult it was to have performed in that MCS boxing ring. Mm-hmm. And, and me, even as a fan like, as I am, I can see the difference because I stay up cl- as close as possible to the ring whenever I watch a show. And when the impact, the impact in a PWR ring is very different from the impact in, an, in the MCS boxing ring. Very different. So it, the it's like um, when when someone body slams in PWR, I cheer. When someone body slams in MCS, I cringe. That's the difference. Okay, uh, let's talk about William uh, Elvin really quickly because mm-hmm. I I was surprised that he surfaced in MWF. Uh, yeah. Like, what was his character well established, or how how was his character brought in? Into the MWF canon, I wasn't even sure if it was a character because, especially since he did say he's dropping a specific character of his that I'm not familiar with, but he did say like he's happy for the growth of uh, Philippine wrestling, but he wants, but he has a friend. He says he has a friend who, who wants to see if the boys in the Philippines can actually hang with him. Yeah, obviously that's a wrestling promo, deba. Right? But is um. He doesn't come across as an authority figure because that no. has been taken by Coach Gus and by Mike Shannon, which still boggles my mind. By the way, that, yeah, because we uh, still don't know who's higher than whom. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Okay, so um, as of now, the William Elvin character is—he's an outsider. He's an outsider who who has a friend who will uh, who has already made waves, and he wants. And this friend of his, want, that's 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 my peg of his. That this friend of his 
wants to find out how good the people in the Philippines really are. And that's why he's coming to MWF. But it's it seems to be obvious that there is no hint that William Elvin is going to the Philippines. Okay. Uh, anything else on the Ho-Ho uh, announcement or do we go to the main event? I, I, I think I'm fine. I, I think it's going to be a big deal. It's just that um, they need to capitalize on it more. Okay. Okay. Now let's talk yeah. about Rex Lawin versus Robin Sane. Because uh, yeah, um, they'd been building up to this in the weeks leading up to Balikbayan, and uh, it, it came to a head there. First of all, they it was pretty clear that Rex Lawin completely no sold Ninja Eugene's challenge. All right. Because he was challenged at the end of uh, Road to Fate by Ninja Ryujin. Yeah, but Ninja Ryujin was nowhere to be found at Balikbayan. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that 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 for me was like. That was a drop thread. And it seems that MWF has a habit of doing that. Like, they throw some pot shots at each other, and then they pick up on it, and then they say, like, um, specifically Gig Striker says, May atraso ka sa akin, uh, Robinson, pero palalampasin ko yan. Something like that. So it's like, um, they, they throw a lot of plot threads that they don't resolve. Okay. Uh, how about the match itself? What, uh, the ma- what, what did you think of the match? Well, I think we already know what to expect from Rex Lawin by now. In that, yeah, Filipino I, song style. Yeah, I don't know if he's really just beating up his opponent for real, or I'm watching a really well, you know, a really great wrestling match because it really looks like it hurts. And you know, uh, having having uh, known personally one of the wrestlers, we know how much it hurts because we we treated his injuries. Yeah, so um, did the match add anything to the Robin Sane and Rex Lawin characters, or was it just a showcase where, eh, you know, yeah, they had a match? Yeah, it really feels like that. It really feels like uh, they had another match. Um, because the problem is, everybody wants a piece of Gus Queens, but up to now, nobody has been getting a piece of Gus Queens. Which is like, um, you know, it's almost like Stephanie McMahon. Level of levels of frustration that you never get the heel never gets their comeuppance. Yeah, and and that's especially glaring because like remember uh, a friend of mine Paulo Cruz once complained about you because you're 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 kind of big and you actually are bigger than some of the wrestlers, right? Yeah. But the difference is Gus is even bigger than you. Right, right. Uh, I I stood next to Gus Queens. And he's at least six three, six four. He's th- he's bigger than even me. And so why is this guy running away from a guy who looks like he's half his size? Okay, there's an it, argument to be made that height shouldn't really matter. Because if, uh, uh, for example, Tomohiro Ishii of New Japan, he is barely mm-hmm. five 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 six, but he's a tough motherfucker. Like if I saw him in a dark alley, I would run the other way because he will uh, he will headbutt. Me to death, basically. Sure, I'd, I'd say that of Rex Lawin. I'd say that of Fabio Makising. But I wouldn't say that of Robin Sane, given his character. Okay, okay. That that's a that's a fair counter argument. And so the minute Robin Sane put started chasing, uh, you know, um, Coach, uh, Gus. Coach Gus, I was thrown out of it. It's like I could never imagine a guy like Robin Sane. Scaring a guy like Coach Gus. Kahit na uh, Gus is it's supposedly not, a non wrestler, and even though he's not, he, frame, yeah. 
Yeah, but because he keeps talking, you know, a big game about him being a big deal. And he looks it. The thing is, he actually looks it. He looks like a, a tough Ramon Bautista. So, so it's it's it bewilders me that um, they chose to they chose the chicken heel for him when he should be trying to at least hold his own. Okay. Uh, how about the ending of the show? Is there anything that stood it, out to you? There was interference from Fabio Makisig which is the most important thing that happened in the match because it establishes an alliance between Coach Gus, Rex Lawin, and Fabio Makisig. Uh-huh. And then at the end, when they were about to do a beatdown on Robin Sane, Gig Striker does a run-in and helps out Robin Sane. So it mostly sets up a tag team main event for yes, it does. the next show. It does. It's just I don't know how to feel about... Um, the oversell Fabio Makisig did of the the stunner from um, from from uh, Gig Striker though, because he he did two backflips, okay, and then fell on his face. So that that was kind of weird. You know, I I mean I get comedy spots, but that made gigs look bad. All right. Any final thoughts on the main event and the finish of the show? Well. The main event was serviceable for what it tried to set up because it sets up an alliance. It, you know, I, I still am not sold on why Gus Queens is being a coward because, you know, looks wise, it just doesn't suit me to believe that he's he'd be, you know, scared. Um, but it sets up a good alliance because now the the lines are being drawn, you know, between uh, who's who. It's just that I wish they fleshed out the delineation of the characters more. Why is uh, Mike Shannon tolerating Gus Queens this much? You know, I mean, why is there? Why are they fifty percent owners? If they are, why hasn't it been spelled out yet? I hey, mean, next I, thing you know, they'll have an Ubusan ng Lahi match. Uh, <laughs> well, that'll be nice, but you know, maybe somewhere down the road. But again, for me, my final thought is Aldrin Richards and Zelo Silva. You guys could have been fighting forever and we would have been cheering the whole way. That was one of the best matches I've seen in Philippine wrestling, bar none. Before I ask you who the MVP of the show was, can you tell me about the logistics of the show? Like, were there any improvements? Were there more points for improvement? Did Sunny Go cut another pipe bomb? Sunny Go, thankfully, has uh, taken a page from Poch's uh, playbook and kept to himself. He doesn't, uh, you know, indulge in any promos anymore. So the, the, problem the microphone was, is no longer a magic wand. No, no, no. All right. He didn't do that this time. However, the problem was um, they have two referees, right? Um, ref, uh, I keep forgetting their names, but there are two referees. One, of I believe them their names is, are uh, Charles and Ryan. Yeah, referee Charles, referee Ryan. Um, Referee Charles, I last time I said has improved so much because he now hits the three counts properly. You know, he doesn't always hit the three count when someone kicks out. And he, does he, he remember to count now when they're out of the ring? Uh, he, no, that was the other guy's problem. Uh, the pro, uh, uh, ref Ryan, who still was inconsistent about his counting out, who still sometimes does a three count when it should only be a two count, and who actually had a respect my authority moment like uh like Cartman. Was that so good that or was bad? Kind of, 
That was bad because like you're the referee's calling attention to himself. Okay. But hindi, but, ba, then, hindi, hindi ba part naman siya talaga ng certain matches? Like, it's it's really part of the story that they're trying to tell. Now, there's uh, one one character who's really undermining the authority of the official. So, isn't the uh, the official supposed to keep that character in check? Should, but there were times that I'd see him making smart alecky comments. Like, um, he'd say, Hindi to basketball, walang timeout, timeout. Like, come on. So yung tipong the, the referee was yeah okay I I, I get it now and it's like, they're, they're calling too much attention yeah he's calling too much attention to himself so I found that problem and the problem is referee Charles was not at the show so, okay um Mike Shannon had to do referee duties all right half of the half of the show so logistically the sound system is still a problem it became so much of a problem that half of the heel promos referred to it. Okay, all right. So it's like something has to give with that sound system because they've been working with it for four shows already and it hasn't improved. Um, the production values, uh, well, still needs a lot of work. And it's clear that they're not taking enough footage to use for their you know, purposes. Okay, now who is the MVP of the afternoon or the night? Has to be Aldrin Richards, no question. All right. And if you could give Balik Bayan a letter grade, since he gave PWR Vendetta a letter grade, what grade would you give to uh, Balik Bayan? I would have to give it a C plus. It was their best show so far, but and you know I I I'll, I'll be honest here and say I'm grading on a curve for MWF. Uh, but the problem is, I know some things that they could have improved. They already should have by now, and the fact that they haven't drives me nuts because um, you know these are the simplest of things make me believe I'm watching a wrestling match make me believe that I'm watching a hardcore match and if you can't make me believe then you know why would other people uh, you know more casual fans than me want to pay tickets if they can't be made to believe that you're doing the things you say you're doing in the ring so given the curve it's a B plus did I hear that right well well, yeah if it were a curve yeah I'd give it a B plus but no but it will be a C plus on the on its own by on its own merits, uh, a solid C plus that could have been a. I, I'd willingly go all the way to a B minus because of the Hanzelo Aldrin match. That's how good it was. It can bump a whole letter grade. Okay. Any final thoughts on uh, MWF Balikbayan before I let you go? I mean, I, I realize I kept you on for about two plus hours now. No, it's all right. Um, well, for for starters, um, I, I just wanna. Shout out to Ken Warren because he he was in at my at my Despedida show and you know seeing the guy out of character really different guy so shout out to him he's 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 a godsend as far as I'm concerned one of the best best people I've ever seen uh, you know so one of the best wrestlers in the ring one of the best people outside of him as far as I'm concerned but um, for for Balikbayan for MWF you guys. Have so you know it's clearly growing pains. It's obvious. I mean, I was there when PWR was going through the growing pains. I've seen it myself. Um, I think they have quite a ways to go, but they're on the right track. It's just that they have they have to be you know. I guess they have to find a more consistent uh, consistent platform because they have a, they don't have monthly shows yet. All right, and. Uh... 
I, I guess with that we can probably call it a night. It's been it yeah, it's, it's been a long one for both of us. Wow, I know, I, I know. It, it's 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 been great. I mean, uh, it's a definitely a different dynamic when it's just the two of us. Apparently, yeah. But that, I, that's I, what happens I when work gets involved, and you know when I we know. <laughs> uh, when we have to deal with stuff like journalistic integrity and all that. But yeah, well, well, still, I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, putting your faith in me and having me here again. No, so, uh, thank I, you for making time and for uh, uh, making sure now you're able to get your notes in and you're able to give your input, man, and. Uh, I'm I'm sure the the folks over at PWR and at MWF appreciate that you were able to give your your constructive feedback on both of their shows. Yeah, uh, well, I guess last thing I'd want to say is I am a fan uh, of Philippine wrestling. Um, in fact, I I can safely say I'm now a bigger fan of Philippine wrestling than wrestling in general. I was like, I don't care what's happening at Survivor Series, but I did care what happened at PWR Vendetta, and I did care about Alvin Richards and Hanzelo Silva. So for me. 2018 is looking to be a great year for wrestling, and I hope that you know this uh, onwards and upwards trend for both companies, and even the third one coming up. You know, I hope that continues for everyone involved because it's really for the good of the entire industry. Hey, you know what? I I wish that you could actually still be a part of it, but you know, life gets in the way, and you you have to get out of this country before. Uh, before ish hits the fan, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> I, I, I respect yeah. that. And for what it's worth, uh, it's, it's been great having you as a part of the wrestling community over the last three plus years. So uh, I'm going to tip my hat off to you and say thank you, Kel. Thank you as well, Stan. All right. I'm going to let you go now. Uh, we've, we've, we've kept you on way too long. So uh, I'll, I'll see you again. I'll, I'll probably get to see you one more time before you get out of here. All righty. Thanks once again to Kel Fabi for coming in and reviewing both PWR Vendetta and MWF Balikbayan. I know that wasn't easy given that he took pretty much an hour to review each show since there was a lot that went down, a lot of stuff to unpack, and just so many things to talk about. So again, I really appreciate Kel coming on and sharing his time with us on the podcast. Now, if you're looking for Survivor Series and NXT TakeOver War Games predictions, you can find that on my Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Online. We did a Facebook Live video Last Wednesday night, that was me, uh, Romaran, Nicola So, and Sandra Hermoso, aka the Wrestling Gods. And we had a lot of fun just interacting with everybody, dishing out our predictions and answering a few questions along the way. So do check that out. And if you're wondering if this is the last time you'll see all four of us together in one screen, whether it's a mirror image or otherwise, then you'll have to stay tuned because there might be something up our sleeves very, very soon. Now, we'll catch you on Monday. Monday morning, 6 a.m. at Skinny Mike Sports Bar over at BGC for the Survivor Series viewing party. We're going to be there as early as 6 and it's going to be all the way till noon or whenever the hell the pay-per-view ends. There's going to be a 300 peso door charge. It's, It's very minimal when you think about it, especially if you work in the area. It comes with a free drink as well and... Uh, with the 300 pesos, as they say at PWR, sulit bayad because you'll be interacting with so many Filipino fans and we'll get to watch um, a, a lot of stuff go down, including Kurt Angle leading Team Raw against Shane McMahon leading Team SmackDown, plus Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles in a champion versus champion showdown. All right, so we'll see you on Monday morning. And as for us here on the podcast, we'll return hopefully with all three of us and with all of our Uh, All of our segments intact, basically just the pick of the week, since we haven't done that over the last couple of weeks. But we'll be back together, hopefully by Thursday or by Friday. So with that, as Ro and Kamas like to say, be humble, 
Sit down. We're out of here. Bye-bye. Glorious. No, I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious.